And Father God, that is our prayer. That our hearts and our lives will be completely yours. Thank you, Lord, for this day. The Lord's day. The first day of the week. That we celebrate Jesus' resurrection from the dead. That we gather in obedience to your word to worship you, to honor you, and Father, to sit at your feet. Let that take place this morning in our hearts, in our lives, and in our minds. In the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. All God's people said, amen, amen. You may have a seat. This morning, turning your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. We'll only be there for a few moments. But the theme of my message this morning is a big fat V, victory. Victory in Jesus. You can experience victory. I'm not talking about the football games. And a lot of them lost yesterday. I'm not talking about the election. I'm talking about victory in your life in serving the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, and you can experience victory. We do not have to live in defeat. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. All right, y- y'all awake this morning? Y'all ready to dig into God's word? Let's just pray one more time. Holy Spirit, we ask you now, as we study your word, uh, open our hearts and let us see victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, if you're visiting with us, Wednesday nights we go through the Old Testament, Sunday mornings we go through New Testament, and we, on March 1st of this year, we begin our journey through the book of Hebrews, verse by verse through the book. And this morning, we come to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, and I, I told you guys Wednesday night, I was, I was preaching on Joshua and Rahab. Man, there was so much information on Joshua and his victory. We'll get to Rahab the prostitute next week. So today, the focus is on Joshua, and it comes from Hebrews 11.30, which says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after the Israelites had marched around them for seven days. And when I say that you can live in victory, that means you can overcome the things of this world. But you've got to fight. You've got to fight for it. You got, I'm going to close this verse with our student ministries uh, uh, theme verse where it talks about we have to fight the good fight. But my friends, you can experience victory. David Ford was once enslaved to alcohol. Guess what? Not by my own power or my own strength, but by Christ living in me, I have victory and I have freedom. You're looking at someone who was a drug addict. And I'm not going to tell you all the drugs I did because this really means nothing other than to say the fact today I have complete victory. You're you're looking at someone who was steeped in deep sin and immorality at one point in my life. And I'm here to tell you today, I have the victory. Not that I have it even of myself, but the Lord Jesus Christ and God himself is the victory. And because I trust in him and I believe in them and I've surrendered my whole entire life to them, I get to participate in that victory that is theirs. And it's a wonderful feeling. And I'm here to tell you today, you can experience victory. Joshua is not mentioned by name in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, 
But Joshua is the one who led the Israelites in their march around Jericho. He was a brilliant military strategist. He was trained under Moses, and he is one of two adults that actually left Egypt and actually entered the promised land. Who was the other guy? Caleb. These are the only two guys who made it through the wandering in the wilderness and eventually entered into the promised land. So please turn in your Bibles now to Joshua. Joshua chapter 6. We're looking at verses 1 through 20 this morning. And this is where Hebrews 11.30 in the New Testament, it points us back to this historical event in the Old Testament of Joshua leading the Israelites to surround the city of Jericho and on the seventh day to see those walls come crumbling down and they experience a huge strategic victory. So y'all ready to get into it? Hopefully you're at Joshua uh, chapter 6. We'll look, start off at verse 1. It says, Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. The Amorites who were in this city, they heard about what happened to Israel in the, in, in, in the Exodus and coming out of Egypt. They had heard about Yahweh God. They had been warned of the great and magnificent glory and power that God was uh, showing himself through the ancient Israelites. So they had buckled up the city. Jericho, the city, was a fortress city in the east right next to uh, the Dead Sea. It stood between Israel as they were wandering through the wilderness, it stood between them and the promised land. It was a massive military outpost in the east. It was inhabited by these people called the Amorites. They were enemies of Israel. They were pagan. They were warlike mountain people. The name Amorite means insolent and fierce. Insolent and fierce. So this wasn't some weak enemy. This wasn't some weak pushover. History tells us that the walls of Jericho uh, were so wide that two chariots could race side by side across the top of the wall. Okay, so this ain't this, this little tiny puny city, little tribe of people that are going to run over. This is a massive military outpost by the Amorites. And that outpost of Jericho stands between the children of Israel and going into the promised land, which was the promise that was given to them that they would be taken out of Egypt and they would enter the promised land in Jericho. Uh, this massive outpost is standing in the way. So verse 2, it says, But the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have handed Jericho over to you with its king and valiant warriors, and you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do, do this for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. Then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people <coughs> excuse me, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the walls of the city will fall down, will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight ahead. The first thing that we see in this passage this morning, in this historical account of what happened at Jericho and Joshua, is we see that Joshua is receiving, this is very important, Joshua is receiving his instructions 
from the Lord. Okay? If you look at verses 2 through 5, that is a statement that God is making directly to Joshua. So the first element or the first principle or whatever you want to call it uh, of, of, of experiencing victory is you have to, is we have to receive instruction from the Lord. You have to know today, Christian, what the word of God says. You have to know what it says, then you have to believe what it says, you have to trust what it says, and then you have to love what it says. Let it be the center point of your theology and your belief and your life. And rapture your heart around everything the word of God says. And when you, you, you receive instruction... You receive instruction from the Lord. You ready for this? When you read your Bible. When you read your Bible. You know, the, 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 the absolute worst thing a believer, a Christian can do is when they get home from church on a Sunday, they take their Bible and they put it on the shelf and it sits there all week till the next Sunday morning and they grab it on the go out the way out the door. No, my friend. You need to receive instruction from the Lord throughout the week. You receive instruction from the Lord when you go to a Bible study. When you go to a Bible study and you study the Word of God, you're receiving instruction this morning as we make our way through the Scriptures. You're receiving instruction from God. And my friend, if you do not spend time receiving instruction from the Lord and from His Word, you might suffer defeat. That's how important it is for you to be in the word. That is how important it is for you not to be washed away by the philosophies of the world and the traditions of the world is you have to be in the word. And, and as much as I love preaching, as much as I love teaching, you can't hang on Pastor David's teaching. You've got to study the Bible for yourself and read the scriptures on a daily basis. Carve some time out of your schedule you know, and, and, and get into the word and say, Lord, teach me, instruct me. So Joshua, in um, verses 2 through 5 here, he's received his instructions from the Lord. So what does he do after he receives the instructions? Let's take a look and see. Verse 6. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and have seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram's horns, in front of the ark of the Lord. Then he said to the people, go forward and march around the city and the armed men shall go on ahead of the ark of the Lord. So what does he do? I'm laying this down, I'm laying this down in, 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 in easy to understand principles that you and I can apply to our lives today. So what does he do? He passes on the instruction to the people. He gives them, he, he gives the Israelites clear marching orders. You know what Joshua is? Joshua is a faithful steward. He is a faithful steward and he is just passing down what he has learned from the Lord. And any pastor worth his money or, or Sunday school teacher or, or Bible study teacher this, that, that has anything to offer, all they do is they pass down what they read in the Bible to those that they are teaching. It's so important that our lives and our hearts are founded on the word of God. And my friend, 
That's where victory starts. That's where you become an overcomer. That's where you don't fall prey to the temptations of the world. Of the world. It's a steady digest of the word of God and receiving it. And my friend, I'm here to tell you, this works. This works. God's victory in your life is sure when you follow his instructions. You say, wait a minute, Pastor David. You don't, you don't know the things I go through. You don't know the things I'm facing. Yes, I do, too. I do, too. I, I, I have lived in the darkness of this world that God called me out of when I got saved. And I am a living testimony that if you will surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, that if you will get soundly saved and you will firmly submit yourself to the authority of getting instructions from the Lord, you will experience victory. But it's going to come at a cost. And that cost is discipleship. That cost is faithfulness. That cost is taking, taking that bull by the horns and saying, I am going to win this victory. I, I am going to engage the Lord. I'm going to study my Bible. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to spend time in prayer. And I am going to win the battle. I am going to have victory. And so Joshua has received his instruction from the Lord. He takes that instruction, and now he passes it down to his men. That's where we're at in Scripture. Look at verse 8. And it was so that when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord, he went forward and blew the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark while they continued to blow the trumpets. Verse 10. But Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor let your voice be heard, nor let a word proceed from your mouth until the day I tell you, Shout, and then you will shout. So he had the ark of the Lord taken around the city, circling it once. Then they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Now Joshua got up early in the morning, and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. In verses um, 6 through 12, there was a phrase mentioned seven times. Did you catch it? There's a phrase mentioned seven times in verses 6 through 12. The ark of the Lord. The ark of the Lord. God's ark is mentioned seven times in verses 6 through 12. And that ark, it represented, according to Exodus chapter 25, uh, chapter 25, verse 22, that ark represented the presence of the Lord. It represented the presence of the God. So they weren't just out there doing their own thing. This wasn't in their own strength or in their own power or in their own, their own thoughts of putting it together. They had the presence of God in their midst as, as they were circling the city. It was God's holy presence leading and guiding the children of Israel under um, Joshua's leadership in, in going around the city. Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Again, you, cannot, you will not be victorious in this life if you're trusting in your flesh, if you're trusting in your own self. You know, my confidence doesn't come in David. It doesn't come in my name. 
my confidence to be successful and to be victorious in life is, is by the Spirit of the Lord living inside of me. I believe as I surrender my life, submit my life to him, submit my life to his word, that he will lead me in victory and his spirit will take me forward. And that's what is, that's the, um, I, I can just imagine the Amorites looking over there, look at these buffoons, who are these idiots? They got their seven, uh, seven priests with their horns and they got guards in the front and guards in the back they got this little wooden box who do they think they are who do they think they are they probably mocked them but little did those amorites know in the city of jericho the presence of yahweh god was there in their midst and he was the one that, that was going to bring them the victory let's continue verse 13 then the seven priest carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark of the lord went on continually and blew the trumpets and the armed men went ahead of them and the rear guards came up after the ark of the lord while they continued to blow the trumpets so the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp they did the same for six days then on the seventh day they got up early at the dawning of the day and marched around the city in the same way seven times only on that day did they march around the city seven times and at the seventh time when the priests blew the trumpets Joshua said to the people shout for the Lord has given you the city now if you stop right there at verse 16 in your Bible and you look down at verse 20 verse 20 picks up on the flow from verse 16. Verses 17 through 19 in this chapter are what we call a parenthetical statement. They're a parenthetical statement written by Joshua to, as they're going into this victory, he stops, he pauses on the story, and he says, hey, I want to give you some inf inside information of what's going to take place. Again, if you, if you read verse 16, it flows right into verse 20. But let's look at the parenthetical statement that Joshua, the author of this book, writes in verses 17 through 19. He says, on a side note, he says here, but the city shall be designated for destruction. It and everything that is in it belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in the house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. Next week, we're looking at one person. Rahab. The New Testament tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, where sin abounds, grace abounds more. I, I, I could go here for a second, but this is mind-blowing that Rahab is entered into the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Remember the, uh, the recipients of the book of Hebrews? They're, they're Jews. It was a Jewish audience. And that would have been such a tough pill for them to swallow. Remember, the Jews, they weren't high on the Gentiles. They weren't high on the Gentiles, much less a prostitute. But God, in his sovereignty, he inserts a, 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 a Gentile into the whole thing. We'll get there next week. But what an amazing thing that we'll be, we'll be looking at Rahab, the prostitute. She turns her heart to the Lord. 
And God, God uses Jews. He uses Gentiles. He will use whosoever will come to him in repentance, faith, and belief. So anyway, he mentions Rahab there. We'll talk about that next week. Verse 18, but as for you, only keep yourselves from the things designated for destruction so that you do not covet them and take some of the designated things and turn the camp of Israel into something designated for destruction and bring disaster on it. But all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. Now, in verse 20, the author Joshua, the book of Joshua, he picks up from verse 16. Matter of fact, let's go back and let's read it through from verse 16 to 20. Verse 16 says, And this, at the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you this city. Verse 20. So the people shouted, and the priests blew the trumpets. And when they People heard the sound of the trumpet. The people shouted with a great shout, and the wall, and the and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, everyone straight ahead, and they took the city. It says that the wall fell down flat. History tells us, church fathers tell us that those walls were massive. They were huge. To the human eye, it was like an, an, an impenetrable fortress. But God brings them down. Not only do they crumble to the ground, but the, this text says that they came down flat. They, they fell flat. And all this comes, this great and magnificent deed uh, work in, in Joshua chapter 6, it all comes from the godly, anointed, spirit-empowered ministry of Joshua. The walls came down, and Israel, the nation of Israel, experienced their first victory as they entered into the promised land. Now, question for you. Why are we given, why, why is this text given to us in Joshua chapter 6? And why does the author of Hebrews in the Hall of Faith refer back to it? Two reasons. Number one, it's a written historical record of Israel's redemption. It's a written historical record. This actually happened. This was a real event in our history that took place long ago when God gave Israel victory as they entered the promised land. That's the first reason. The second reason that this is recorded in Scripture is it teaches you and me. It teaches you and me that we serve an awesome God and he will remove all obstacles that stand in the way of his sovereign will for our life. That's what this stands for. That's what, that's what this passage teaches us. The New Testament teaches us that these things that happened in the Old Testament, they happened so that they could teach us and illustrate to us how God works, how God operates. So what I want to do this morning from this passage is I want to give you four life lessons, four life lessons, four principles, four elements, whatever you want to call them. I call, I call them four elements to victory or, or, or the pathway to victory that you and I can learn from Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 20, and the reference that we're given to in the book of Hebrews. Four ways this applies to your life 
today. Number one, the Christian life will always be met with obstacles. The Christian life will always be met with obstacles, enemies, and challenges. As you move forward in your Christian faith, you will face Jericho's, okay? I'm also saying, you will face Jericho's in this life. You will face difficult situations. You will face opposition. You will face trials. You will face tribulations. And some of those are going to be mountain-like. Some of those are going to look insurmountable. How in the world am I going to get beyond this in life? It's coming. If it hasn't already, it's coming. You will face mountains. You will face difficulties. You will face trials. You will face tribulations. Here's the question for you to ponder. How will you respond? How will you respond when difficulty comes your way? In the New Testament, James chapter 1, verse 2. Write it down if you like. It says, consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials. It didn't say if. It, it, James chapter 1, verse, it doesn't say if you encounter various trials. It uses the key, the key word in there is when. When you will face trials. It's not a matter of if I will, maybe I will, maybe I won't. You will face difficulties in this life. Jesus said in John 16, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have, you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. You will face difficulties. It, it'll come in all shapes and, and forms and fashions in this life. It could be illness. It could be persecution. It could be trials. It could be temptations. It could be difficulties. You will face them as a believer. You know, it's not we come to Christ and all is well. Praise the Lord. Life is good. No. No. That is not what the Bible teaches. That is not even what church history tells us. If you look at the persecution of the church for the past 2,000 years, if you look at the church's stand for righteousness and the persecution it caused and the difficulties they go through, they faced difficult times. And who are we to think that it will be any different at some point in our life? That we will not face obstacles. So I'm just telling you right now, you will face difficulties. The second principle I present to you this morning, based on this passage, is all obstacles, all obstacles must be met by faith in God. All obstacles that you face, when you face them, meet them with faith in God. Meet them with faith in God. Let faith in God be the shield that goes before you. Obstacles, difficult situations are permitted in our life to give us the opportunity to exercise faith. And when you face that challenge, when you face that difficulty, when you face that trial, when you face that persecution, you'll have to ask the question, who is greater? Who is greater? Who is greater, the trial or God? The tribulation or the Lord? Man, it's God. God is greater than any difficult situation 
we will face in this life. And my victory doesn't depend on any circumstances in this world. Any circumstances. My victory is in the Lord. Let your victory be in Christ. Very important point here. Our faith in God is not fatalistic. Meaning, we, do not, we don't just throw our arms up in the air and just say, well, whatever will be, will be. I have no control of it. Our faith is not fatalistic. We, you and I, have to make a conscious decision in our minds and in our hearts that I am going to trust in the Lord through this difficult trial, that I'm going to trust in this time. And whatever is happening is not going to affect my life, is not going to dictate the way I believe or the way I think or how I live. It's not, what happens in this world is not going to steal my joy. It's not going to steal my victory. It's not going to cause me to go into defeat because Jesus Christ is Lord. Listen, I'll, I'll let, okay, we're studying Joshua. I'll let Joshua share with you this morning what he says. Listen to what Joshua said to the children of Israel in Joshua 24. Talking about uh, meeting, meeting this world, meeting our, our difficult situations with faith in God. Joshua says this, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and do away with the gods of your fathers. Serve beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if it is disagreeable in your sight, to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the Euphrates River, or the God of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I present to you this morning, I ask you this morning, a question that you, you need to think about, um, carry with you today, carry with you this week, make a decision this morning, have you made up your mind? Have you made up your mind? Come hell or high water, I'm going to serve you, Lord Jesus. Because your path is the only path to victory. Your path is, 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 is your way of victory is the only victory. Because I'm going to show you some verses in a minute. God is the victory. God is the victory. Jesus is the victory. They possess victory. Okay? Jesus rose from the grave. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. They possess victory in and of themselves. And when a person in this life does three things, they get to partake of that victory. When they repent of their sins, when they turn from their sins, when they understand that God has a holy law and they've broken his law, they've broken his commandments, and they turn away from their sin. They repent. They say, God, I'm sorry for breaking your law. I'm sorry for uh, sinning against you. Then, they, they, then they, um, they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes. What does it mean to believe? It means you put your trust in the cross that he died at Calvary. You put your faith and you believe with all your heart his death, his resurrection. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. You believe it with all your heart. And then you receive, the Bible says, to those who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. You receive him into your life. And when you go that way and you begin this journey of the Christian faith, you will begin, you begin, you will begin the pathway to victory. 
I didn't have, when I first came to Christ, I didn't have complete victory. I struggled in some areas of my life. There was some bondages that I needed deliverance from, and, but, but they were broken by the power of God in me and, and, and discipleship. But when you do that, you, you get to experience victory. Make up your mind today as Joshua did. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Think about everything that's at stake, your eternity, your salvation, you know, walking and knowing the creator of the universe. That's what you were placed here on earth for. Number one, above your family, above your job, you were placed on this earth to have a relationship with your creator. Make up your mind today to serve the Lord and meet all the obstacles in your life by faith. Number three, there's four of them. Number three, the third one from this passage is the way of faith, it will seem foolish to the world. Let's go ahead and warn you right now. The way of faith will seem foolish to the world. I could just see those Amorites in Jericho looking over the wall saying, look at these buffoons. Who do they think they are marching around our fortress with a wooden box and some trumpets? Again, history tells us as I said a while ago, that wall in that city was massive. Two chariots racing side by side could go across the top of the walls of Jericho. And here you have these little puny little people, these little Jews, these little Israelites, marching around this city with their little wooden box and blowing their trumpets and guards in the front and guards in the back. In the eyes of the Amorites, I bet they looked foolish. I, I bet they, they, they looked like who are these guys? How dare they come against us, the Amorites? Now, they had heard, the scripture does tell us that the Amorites had heard about the great and majestic deeds of Yahweh God and the children of Israel. But I can't help but to think that as they were on top of those walls, looking at this massive city and looking at these people, they were like they were the fools. The Bible says that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. For a haughty, prideful world, you and I trusting in a carpenter from Nazareth who lived 2,000 years ago, they think you and I are the fool. They mock us, they, 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 will, they mock, they ridicule, they laugh at Noah's Ark, and they, they laugh at the parting of the Red Sea, they dismiss Jesus as a myth, but one day their mocking and their ridicule, ridicule will turn to sheer horror as their worldview comes crumbling down at the return of Christ. It's a very foolish thing to walk away from the Lord to reject him or to mock him and, that, and I say this with all compassion and all love I pray I pray for the lost I pray for those who do not know him because this right here was once me this was once me I, I, just, I just described Pastor David 20 plus years ago before I came to Christ, I laughed at it. I mocked it. I remember me and my, I, I think I shared a story with y'all one time. I was working down here at uh, Chuck E. Cheese Pizza, right here on St. Andrews and I-26. I worked there. I was the guy who put on the, uh, the bear suit and came out and hugged all the kids. You know, I know that's really weird, but it's the truth. But I worked in the back too. I, I, I washed dishes and, and, I, and, I, and I put on the bear suit for the Chuck E. Cheese. Actually, I think it was called Showbiz Pizza Place back then. But anyway, I, I remember, man, 
all my friends, man, we were party animals, man. We, look, we so looked forward to getting off work on Friday night and going and, and, and doing our thing. And I remember one time, one of the guys, one of my buddies, he came to work that night, and he's like, dude, I got saved. I, 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 I got saved. I'm, I'm a Christian now. And this was a guy I used to party with and hang with. And I remember thinking, what a weirdo. What a buffoon. What a, what a crazy dude. It's because I was blind and my eyes were not open. The way of faith will seem foolish to the world around us. But you and I have to stay the course and keep our eyes on the Lord because the victory is not in the world. The victory is in the Lord Jesus Christ and God alone. Number four, the final principle from story of Joshua I present to you this morning is this God's plan alone leads to victory if Israel had went any other way they would have suffered defeat but they experienced the victory because the Lord was behind the battle because they followed the Lord it's that simple guys this ain't complicated. This ain't strategic. They just, they followed the Lord. And they followed their godly leadership in Joshua. And God gave them the victory. God's plan alone leads to victory. And that same victory that they experienced, I don't know how many thousands of years ago, you and I can experience victory in Jesus today give you two verses from the Old and New Testament that brings this point home. Deuteronomy chapter 20 verse 4 says, For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. New Testament, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the thing that grabbed me as I was preparing this message, in both of those verses, you look at it, it says, the victory. It doesn't say, he gives you your victory. It says, he gives you the victory. In other words, God is the victory. God already possesses victory. God already possesses victory and triumph. The Lord Jesus Christ has experienced victory and triumph for us in you and I get to participate in that victory when we trust in him with all our hearts and we refuse to compromise in this world. You and I get to experience the victory. But here's the key. Here's the key. Here's the challenge for your minds. I, I feel like I've, hopefully I've engaged your hearts with the word, but now I want to engage your minds. I want you to think about this. You have got to want it. You have got to want it, okay? You've got to want this victory. You, you've got to want it with all your heart. It does not come without desiring it. Taryn, can, where's Taryn at? Taryn, can I preach on the uh, student ministry verse for a minute? Okay, thank you. 1 Timothy 6.12. By the way, this verse is the verse for the student ministry. There it is. This is the... This is the the theme verse for Pastor Taryn in the student ministry. And it, the, uh, but it says, fight.
fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. 1 Timothy 6.12, that first word where it says fight, the Greek word is agonizomai. Did I get it right, Taryn? Okay. And agonizomai is the name of the Calvary Chapel Irmo student ministry. That is the name that the Lord gave Pastor Taryn to name our ministry. But you and I are called to agonizomai, the good fight. You and I are called to take hold of eternal life. It, it, I, I, I believe it means to, um, to contend for victory. That means that you fight, you engage, and you go all out in serving Christ. That you give him everything. Don't make him part of your life. Make him all of your life. Make him everything. And let that fight that you engage in, Lord, I'm coming after you with all my heart. I'm going to surrender my life to you. I'm going to search my heart. And if God brings any sin to my heart or my, shows me, I'm going to repent, but I'm going to go after it wholeheartedly. When you have this fight-like mentality, you're on the pathway to victory. You're, you're on the pathway to victory. We have to fight the good fight of faith. Now, it says the good fight there. We don't get physical, we don't get hostile, but we fight the good fight. In other words, we fight the spiritual fight. We fight the battle for our hearts to be completely surrendered to Christ. That's the good fight of faith. And it says, take hold of eternal life. In other words, man, we grab it, we go after it, we take hold of it. We say, Lord, I'm coming after you. You're, you're my prize, which you were called, which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. If you're not on the pathway, because we, we all, there's things that, we're all at different stages. We're all at different stages of the Christian journey. And there were years in my Christian life where I had struggles and I had defeats. But if, if you were not at least going in the path of victory, it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. Don't be intimidated by the Jerichos in your life. Have a renewed passion this morning to face those Jerichos and to take them head on. Take them head on in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. Give the battle to the Lord. Surrender in faith. Surrender in trust. Surrender in believing the promises of God and giving it over to him. And when you read Bible passages and you're digging into the God's word, take it to heart and ask the Holy Spirit, ask God to help you apply it to your life. That's the pathway to victory. That's the pathway to victory. I, 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 um, so, many, so many things that um, God has set me free from, from drugs, alcohol, pornography, uh, immorality, sin. I've experienced victory. 
and so can you. So can all believers. When you close with this thought, first off, I, I believe those four principles I just gave you, this was the faith of Joshua. This was the faith of Joshua, this great military leader from Joshua chapter 6. But when you follow the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart and you refuse to compromise and you engage in the battle and the fight uh, of, 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 of pursuing him with all your heart, I believe it's there. That's victory. That's victory. And I pray for you, all you guys this morning that whatever you're facing, whatever you're struggling, you can overcome it and you can experience victory. And whatever that thing is that God brings to your heart and mind that you're wrestling with, number one, take it to his throne of grace. God sees it. God knows that you can't hide it from him. But take it to his throne of grace and ask him for his power to begin to work in you and to give you the tools to move forward in your Christian walk. Amen? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord. You are the victory. You are the victorious king. And Father, when we put our trust in you, we get to experience that same victory. But Father, I understand also, Father, we are fallen, sinful creatures. And so Lord, I pray this morning that you will begin to work in the body and that you will give them hope and that you will show them, Lord, not in their own strength or in their own might, but in your power and your strength and in your word, we can overcome. We can overcome this world. Lord Jesus, you overcome this world. You possess the victory. And Lord, we put our trust and our hope in you. As the scripture says, some may trust in horses, some may trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.